Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to Motivate, the motivation and inspiration podcast. I'm your host, Dahi D, and today's guest is Dr. Jordan Peterson talking about maximizing your potential. I chose today's episode because I really think Dr. Peterson motivates me to keep things in order or get them in order. Dr. Peterson was quoted saying, you don't get to pick whether or not you have to make a trade-off. You just get to pick which trade-off you make. You can sacrifice the future for today, or you can sacrifice today for the future. It's still a trade-off. That's it for me today. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for listening. So imagine that we already know from a clinical perspective that, you know, if you set out a path towards a goal, which you want to do because you need a goal and you need a path because mm-hmm. that provides you with positive emotion, right? So you, you set up something as valuable. So that implies a hierarchy. You set up something as valuable. You decide that you're going to do that instead of other things. So that's kind of a sacrifice because you're sacrificing everything else to pursue that. And then you experience a fair bit of positive emotion and meaning as you watch yourself move towards the goal. And so the implication of that is the the better the goal, the 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 more full and rich your experience is going to be when you pursue it. So that's one of the reasons of, of that's one of the reasons for developing a vision and for fleshing yourself out philosophically because you want to aim at the highest goal that you can manage. Okay, so you do that, and then what you'll find is that as you move towards the goal, there are certain things that 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 you have to accomplish that frighten you. You know, maybe you have to learn to be a better speaker, a better writer, a better thinker. Or you have to be better to people around you, or you have to learn some new skills, and you're afraid of that. Whatever, because it's going to stretch you if you if you pursue a goal, and it's and so that'll put you up against challenges. Okay, so all the clinical data indicates well the opposite of safe spaces, as Jonathan Haidt has been pointing out. That what you want to do when you identify something that someone is avoiding that they need to do because they're afraid. You have them voluntary, con- voluntarily confront it. And so you break it down. What you try to do if you're a behavior therapist is you break down the thing they're avoiding into smaller and smaller pieces until you find a piece that's small enough so they'll do it. And it doesn't really matter as long as they start it. You know, then they can put the next piece on and the next piece. And what happens is they don't get less afraid exactly. They get braver. They get, they get, it's like there's more of them. And, you can, and, and here's why. So imagine you do something new and that's informative, right? There's information in the action, and then you can incorporate that information and turn it into a skill and turn it into a transformation of your perceptions. So there's more to you because you've tried something new. So that's one thing. But the second thing is, and there's good biological evidence for this now, that if you put yourself in a new situation, then new genes code for new proteins and build new neural structures and new nervous system structures. Same thing happens to some degree when you work out, right? Because your your muscles are responding to the load, but your nervous system does that too. So you imagine that there's a lot of potential you locked in your genetic code. And then if you put yourself in a new situation, then then the stress that's the situational stress that's produced by that particular situation unlocks those genes and then builds new parts of you. And so that's very cool because who knows how much there is locked inside of you. Okay, so now here's the idea. So 
Let's assume that that scales as you take on heavier and heavier loads. That more and more of you, you get more and more informed because you're doing more and more difficult things, but more and more of you gets unlocked. And so then what that would imply is that if you got to the point where you could look at the darkest things, so that would be the abyss, right? That would be the deepest abyss. If you could look at the harshest things, like the most brutal parts of the suffering of the world and the malevolence of people and society, if you could look that, look at that straight and, and directly, that that would turn you on maximally. And so that's the idea of rescuing your father, because imagine that you're like the potential composite of all your all the ancestral wisdom that's locked inside of you biologically but that's not going to come out at all unless you stress yourself unless you unless you challenge yourself and the bigger the challenge you take on the more that's going to turn on and so that as you take on a broader and broader range of challenges and you push yourself harder then more and more of what you could be turns on and that's equivalent to transforming yourself into the ancestral father into all because you're you're like the what would you call it you're the consequence of all these living beings that have come before you and that's all part of your biological potentiality and then if you can push yourself then all of that clicks on and that turns you into who you could be that's and that's the re-representation of that positive ancestral father so that's why you rescue your father from the belly of the beast so you think that this ultimate goal of sac- of sacrifice and of, of risking your life in order to save someone who's truly important to you, that this somehow or another maximizes your potential as a human being? Well, I think, I think you can think about it religiously, too. So think about it this way. So in, in the Christian story, for example, you have Christ does two things that are me- messianic. One is takes the suffering of the world onto himself. Okay, so that's a weird idea. Okay, so what does that mean? Let's think about it psychologically. Well, maybe it means that, well, that's your job. Is the world's full of suffering, and you should accept that as your responsibility. Past, present, and future. You're supposed to do something about that, as much as you can about it. And maybe you start with your own localized suffering, you know, put yourself together, but then you expand that outward, and you decide that it's you're not a victim of that, even though, you know, you're part and parcel of it, but you're... You're the potential solution to that. And so you accept that as a responsibility. So that's part of taking on a load. That's part of bearing a cross. You could look at it that way. The cross is sort of a symbol of the place of maximal suffering. Okay, so you accept that as a challenge, not as, a, not as something that you're victimized by. Maybe you accept that as the price of being. Okay, so that's one, that's one responsibility. You're responsible for addressing the suffering in the world. So that could give you some meaning, seems to me. Then the next thing is, there's a story, of course, that Christ met the devil in the desert, and so that's the encounter with malevolence. So that would be the other thing, because the two major problems that people face, obviously, are suffering, tragedy, and malevolence. And so that's the other thing that you're responsible for, is that you're supposed to look at the capacity for human evil as clearly as you possibly can, which is a very terrifying thing. You know, that causes post-traumatic stress disorder in people that aren't accustomed to it. And in the mythology that's associated with the encounter with evil, it's almost always the case that the entity that does the encountering, even if it does it voluntarily, is 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 hurt by it. So the Egyptian god Horus, for example, who's the eye and the falcon, the thing that can see and pay attention, when he encounters his evil uncle, Seth, who's the precursor of Satan, he loses an eye 
because it's no joke to encounter malevolence. You know, it, it can really shake you. But the idea would be that if you can face the malevolence and you can face the suffering, then that maximally, that opens the door to your maximal potential. And then the, op- the optimistic part of that is, and this is, this is why it's so useful to peer into the darkness, let's say, the op- optimistic part of that is, is that although the suffering is great and the malevolence is, is deep, your capacity to transcend it is stronger. So what you get out of the most negative viewpoint is the most positive possible consequence. Because one of the things you'd like to know if you wanted to know something deep about yourself is that you could face the worst that there was and prevail. Mm. And I believe that's cap- I believe that's I believe that that people are capable of that. I think that despite how tragic life is and how malevolent things are, that fundamentally our spirit, let's say, has the capacity to to confront that and to fix it like psychologically to, to, to confront it courageously to be able to bear up under that if you do it voluntarily but also to address it not only to deal with it psychologically but to deal with it practically and that we could make things much better 